Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Tuesday edition, Danny Mac Show. My name is Dan McLaughlin. That is Brandon Kylie and Marty Jenkins is with us. And uh, we've got baseball tonight. It is back. By the way, guys, I didn't think it was supposed to rain. And then I look outside. It looks dark. It's not supposed to rain tonight, is it? I think it's the next few days it's supposed to rain. I'm not sure if it is today. Doesn't show a whole lot today, but tomorrow it looks like it's about a 50-50 shot. Uh. So we'll looks, see. It looks bad outside. I'm I don't sure want it to it'll rain. Stay away. It'll be great. Yesterday okay. it rained for like 10 minutes. So That's maybe true. it'll do one of those. That's true. Uh, Matt Underwood, the TV play-by-play voice of the Cleveland Indians for Bally Sports Great Lakes. Is that Bally Sports Great Lakes? Is that what they call it? Yes. Really? Yeah, and I double-checked with him it's on that It's not Bally too. Sports uh, Cleveland. Cleveland. It's it's different. Really? He told me to say Bally Sports Great Lakes. Bally Sports Great Lakes. Okay. Interesting. Matt, uh, I, had you ever heard of that? <laughs> no, I thought it was Cleveland and Cincinnati. That's what I thought. Out, but Okay. All right. Bally Sports Great Lakes. <laughs> He's coming up, and we'll talk to him. Uh, so, the Indians are in town. Indians just find a way to be competitive. Doesn't matter that Kluber leaves or gets hurt. It doesn't matter that they trade Francisco Lindor. It just doesn't matter. They, they're they good at developing players and finding a way to stay in the hunt. Now, I don't think they're going to be in the hunt with a very good White Sox team. They're four games out in the, uh, in the American League Central Division. The Cardinals, after 60 games now, are 31 and 29. They're third place in the division. By the way, BK, if you wake up this morning and you think, well, the Cubs, you know, they must be in first. No. Milwaukee Brewers lead by a half game. So kind of like what we, what we thought at the beginning of the season you might see St. Louis in there for a run. Chicago could be in there for a run. Maybe Cincinnati gets back in after what took place over the four games this weekend. Um, and and Milwaukee is going to hang around because of their great pitching, back end and their starters. So now we have a division that probably, in my opinion, this is the way it's going to be all year. You're going to be within five games, probably seven games. You can make a run. But this is what you're going to get in the Central Division of the National League. I think this division is going to be won or lost at the deadline. I think these teams are all very similar right now. And I thought coming into the year, and I was wrong on this, it appears, that the Cubs would be in position where they would not convince Jed Hoyer, you have to make a move to add. I thought it would be the opposite. I thought they were going to be in a spot where it was right around 500, maybe a little below. They would end up selling off pieces, and that would be something that pulls them out of this uh, race in the NL Central. It looks like it's going to be them adding, potentially. Same thing for the Brewers. Cardinals should be in that spot with the rotation. So I think it's going to be a, a decision or a situation of whoever adds the most significant pieces at the deadline very well could go, go on to win this division. This is what makes the Cubs, to me, kind of interesting, is that position players, and they have a ton of position players, basically they have a ton of people, players on their roster that are um, in the final years of their deal. Historically, when you're talking about acquiring a position player, especially down the stretch, you're not going to get what you thought you were going to get if you still had, for obvious reasons, a year on his contract, a year and a half, whatever the deal may be. So I could, I was saying, you know, I could see them holding on to those guys. It's those bullpen pieces that people always want to kind of get that piece to the seventh inning, or maybe it's Craig Kimbrell at the back end of games. He's figured things out again. That's a valuable piece for a team. 
But if you're the Chicago Cubs and you're Jed Hoyer sitting in that seat and you're hanging around and, and your team has been really good at times and really competitive, how do you sit there and, and trade off those pieces? I, I just don't think you can do it. I think it's very, very tough to do. I think the only one he could potentially do, and I would disagree with this, but just thinking about it through a GM's perspective, I could see him maybe selling off Craig Gimbrell and saying, hey, listen, we've got a very deep bullpen. We like our pieces right now. Is this going to help us get better? Maybe not. Maybe they do a little buying and selling at the deadline where they, they move Kimbrell and they bring in another piece that they think can help them, and they end up coming out ahead in their opinion. But that's the only thing I can see. Otherwise, I they're a team that I think should be in the buying consideration. Dan, one question that I would have for you. I think if you're looking at the pressure that is being put on the NL Central, it's actually coming via the Giants, not anybody within the NL Central. And the reason why I say that is because when, I, when we went into the season, I thought the Central had the potential to get two teams. Now you look at the NL West, and it looks like it's going to be the Giants, Padres, and Dodgers that are going to get into the postseason. So the NL Central is going to be a one-bid division. I think that's what's putting the most pressure on these teams to be able to get that that spot from the division That's a good point i yeah. don't think there's going to be a wild card team from the nl central yeah and do you think the giants are for real i do i, I think this team is for real i i've been watching them uh, studying them the last couple of weeks and as i evaluate in my own personal way of just looking at you know kevin gossman and some of the others that they have the great year that buster posey is putting together their pitching as a whole i think they're for real and when you're playing in that division when you know that you're going to have to play 36 times against the Dodgers and the Padres, and they've been toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, it gives you an indication that this team is really good. And I do think, I mean, Farnsiedi is is so good at what he does. It's ridiculous. It happened quick, too. It, it really turned around did, really fast. Man. Really good what he does. Did it with the Dodgers. Now he's doing it with the Giants. And he didn't have to do a complete blow-up of an old roster. He had it. And he took it over and he just kind of slowly started manipulating the roster and didn't just say, we're, we're going to go the Chicago Cubs route. We're going to go uh, the Houston Astros route. We're, we're not doing that. We're, we're going to still try to stay competitive. And I'll be damned, man. Not only are they competitive, they're really good. And he did it quietly and he did it really stealthily. I, I just, he's really good, man, at what he does. They have the best record in the National League right now, the fourth best run differential in the sport. If you're not buying in, into them right now, I'd be curious. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. What's holding you back? Yeah. I, I don't really know how I can sit here and say today, yeah, this is not for real. When we are 60 games into the season, this would have been the entirety of last year. The, we were now at the finish line of the 2020 season. And if the season ended today, they would have the number one seed in the National League. It's incredible. So, yeah, I've got to buy into what they're doing. Um, and they did that last year without Buster Posey who's having a, a great year. I mean, think about what he's doing this year. He has bounced back. I, that's the one thing that's kind of interests me about the guys that took a full year off. How would they bounce back? You know, you don't see a full year of major league pitching and being in the the throes of it and the, the pressure of it. I, I think some guys are coming back and saying it was refreshing. Mm -hmm. And Buster Posey is one of those guys that at an advanced age is still putting up uh, big numbers. In terms of the Cardinals... I think if they can keep their head above water here, and this is really a tough time to do it. Um, for instance, you'd love to see Cleveland without Bieber tonight in the two-game series. You're going to get Shane Bieber, is what it is, his turn in the rotation. When he's right, one of the best in baseball, so tall order tonight. But can you keep your head above water minus KK? 
Do you honestly think that Miles Michaelis is going to give you something in August? That's a big one because it's going to take time for him to build back up. So my expectation, if we see him at pitch this year, it's got to be at some time in August. So that's after the trade deadline. And is it out of the bullpen as opposed to the rotation? That's and another thing that I think they've got to ask themselves internally. Where where are you going to find – is Oviedo going to be able to every fifth day – give you five innings that are competitive to keep you in a game. Um, is Angel Rondon somebody that maybe can help you? Did you see something? And I know it's one inning. I liked, you know what I liked what I saw the other day? One thing. Strikes? Yes. yes. He threw <laughs> strikes. He threw strikes. I like that. Um, do you feel like that the, the, the big three are going to hold up as much as you've been leaning on them at times? I think Mike Schilt's done a great job of trying to keep them as fresh as he can. But who else can emerge in that bullpen outside of those three? Because there are going to be times, games on the line, and you don't have them. Now, there's sometimes you get away with it because you're blown out of games. You don't have to worry about it. Or you're up, and you feel like, hey, three, four run cushion. I can go to Helsley. I can go to Daniel Ponce de Leon. Jake Woodford can give me an inning, a score. Those things happen, but there's a lot of ifs of, of trying to keep your head above water. And then with the everyday lineup, I want to see Tommy Edmond play every day at second base. He makes a difference. There were a couple plays this weekend that were not made, and I thought if Tommy's there, they might get made. Might save you a few runs. Bader comes back out. He settles your defense. And also, he's th he's shown that he's been a better offensive player than what he's been in the past. Now you can put Carlson in right. Things settle down. Yachty coming back tonight. I would imagine, knowing Yachty, he probably is. Who knows? They felt that with two off days, you get you know, the time to buy him, time not to be on the IL. These are all questions right now that they're facing that you say, where are we and what do we need to address? And they need... They need that just overall, though, they need their pitching to be better. Their strike throwing has to be better internally. I think the question is, how do we get to the 4th of July? Because what you have between now and then you've got a couple of tough series. You've got Cleveland and then Chicago. But after that, it's That's Miami. When the soft schedule hits a little bit. Atlanta, who has not been as good as we expected them to be this season. And then it, it really opens up for the Cardinals, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Arizona, Colorado. And then you're to the 4th of July. You've got to find a way to get there with your pitching. And the question that I think internally the Cardinals need to be having serious conversations right now, and I'm sure they are. They're a smart organization. They do this stuff. What is the realistic projection for KK? And these are tough. The back thing, you just, it, it's so hard to know. Is he actually going to be ready to go in 10 days, or is it going to be closer to 15 or 20? And are we going to get somewhat of a semblance to the guy that he was a year ago? That's the other part. Even when healthy, is he going to be effective? Are our metrics telling us that this is an effective pitcher? And I think that's legitimate. We've yep. seen enough this year where he's not been the guy that we saw last year. He has not been effective the second and third time through the order. No. At all. And that's got to be something that you have to ask that question of, too. I, I think that's legitimate, BK. I mean, and, and the numbers, when you dive into the metrics, as much as sometimes I like them and I don't like them, they will tell you a story especially over a period of time. And right now with KK, even if he was going every fifth day, and I do want to see him in that rotation every fifth day, and I think there's a value to a lefty there. And there are times when I watch him, I'm like, that's the guy. Mm. It just hasn't been consistent this year. I mean, we don't even have to go save our metrics here. He has nine starts and he's throwing 40 innings. Right. Like, 
there you go. He's gone fewer than five innings on average per start. That's not good enough. You need no. more out of your, even if you consider him to be your number five starter, you need more out of your fifth starter than what he's given you so far this year. So yeah, that's another question you have to ask when he returns. Is that good enough? Or is he more valuable, more valuable for you out of the pen as a guy that's giving you maybe two or three innings on average per night when he comes into the game? That's another question you got to know. And then it becomes, okay, if we want him in the pen, if we do not think he's good enough for us in the rotation, we've got to go get somebody. We have to. There's got to be some urgency here. And that's a really tough spot to deal from because now other teams know that you're desperate. And so they're going to be asking for more than what is probably worth whatever you're getting in return. Dan, I did see mention of one player last night that I found really intriguing for the Cardinals that we haven't discussed a lot. It's Jose Barrios of the Minnesota Twins. I don't know if they're going to be selling on him or not. He's got one more year of club control after this year. It's arbitration rights. He's making $6 million this season, so probably closer to 9-10 next year is what he would be expecting. That's an innings eater. If you look over the last four years, the only guys in Major League Baseball that have started more games than Barrios are Aaron Nola, Zach Grinke, and Garrett Cole. That's the kind of guy the Cardinals are missing right now, is a guy that can just carry the load for the next six weeks. Typically, Mo, his um, lack of a better, his MO has been to find not only a guy for the now, but typically a guy like that. Another year of John control. Lackey. Yeah, that, that's been the kind of, if he's been looking for pitching, that's the kind of guy that he likes to get. It's not just for the rental of now he'll do it he's done that before where you get a rental for a couple of months but typically it's been let me get a guy that helps us now and that certainly would help now and for the future so we can plug him in our rotation for next year so we have a solid spot so i got somewhere else i can look to plug and allocate funds to that's what he likes to do and the other thing too is you also have to be realistic with yourself are you a good enough team to win and if you're going to go out and make the rental then you know, then you 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 say we we are good enough. Let's go get Matt Holiday. Let's go get Mark DeRosa, who we understand are free agents coming up. We'll, we'll be okay. Now the idea there was we bring Holiday in. He signed long term. DeRosa helps us. You know, if he wants to come back, great. If not, we can. You know, we let him go. But we need help in our lineup. Those are the kind of things that you do. But typically, he has been looking for the now and for cost control. And I think there's some reason to do so with this rotation right now. I don't know what Miles Michaelis is going to be for this year or for next. It's an open question right now. When sure. is he going to be healthy with his forearm? You've got Dakota Hudson. You hope he comes back fully healthy next year. But, but we you're going to be real careful with him. And we just saw with Jordan Hicks, there's no guarantees that it takes and it's 100% ready to go on opening day of next season. So if you can go out there and get, whether it's a Kyle Gibson or a Berrios, whoever the guy is that has this year and next of club control remaining, that might be the best route for the Cardinals to go. I got to wonder if Hicks's injury is the most uh, devastating for the Cardinals this year. The, the Michaelis one is big. That's a starter. That's every fifth day. He's been an all-star before. And if he's right, that's a huge one. Hudson's is huge. But with the way that this season has played out, how great would Jordan Hicks look when you don't have the big three and you could rely on him giving you an inning? Be huge. You think, know, Think about those Ryan Helsley innings that are exactly. going to him right now. That's Jordan Hicks instead. That's right. Be massive. Yeah. I think it's... I would go with one of the starters just because I think that's the straw that broke the camel's sure. back. The Cardinals, if they just had one more guy healthy right now, whether it be Jack or KK or Michaelis or Hudson, whoever it was, right? I think we'd be feeling okay about them getting through this stretch and there would be less urgency to go out there and make a move. 
But if you're looking at the big picture sense from the 10,000 foot view and we're not lost in this moment, I think that the Jordan Hicks one is the one that probably would make the biggest difference. Flaherty, obviously, as we go further along without him being available every fifth day, those are the kind of guys that stop losing streaks too. You know, you get your number one guy and you've lost four in a row and you got Flaherty going, you say, we, we feel pretty good about winning, you know. But the Hicks having his availability and then mixing and matching with four guys as opposed to your three where you feel like, okay, our starters are only giving us six, five, six innings, and then you got to go to the big three, and then they're wasted. You, you win the game, but then you can't use them maybe all three the next day. Those are things that hurt with this club. Hey, so. Dan, I was reading a story earlier today on ESPN about all-star predictions, the, the National League all-star roster, and there was a Cardinal that I thought should absolutely be on this list that I didn't see on there. Can we talk about that on the other side? Let's do that. We'll do that next. That's coming up. Also, uh, Matt Underwood, TV play-by-play voice, for Indians uh, baseball on Valley Sports. Great Lakes. Great Lakes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Wednesday edition of or the uh, Tuesday edition of the show and uh, baseball coming up tonight on Valley Sports Midwest. Also on Valley Sports Great Lakes. So we'll visit with Matt Underwood, the TV play-by-play voice for the Indians coming up. All right, BK. You know what? The All-Star game is not that far away. It's, it's what, crazy. About six weeks, maybe five mm-hmm. weeks away. Yeah, about five weeks away now. Okay. So I was reading earlier today on ESPN.com, and I think Dave Schoenfeld does a fantastic job for them, and he was putting together his projected rosters for the Major League Baseball All-Star game. And he had, uh, in terms of Cardinals on the list, he's got Yadier Molina on there. He's got Nolan Arenado. Those are the only two that he would have right now. So are they voted in or? He had them as reserves, both okay. of them as reserves. Um, he's got Buster Posey as the starting catcher this year, which seems fair to me. And then Chris Bryant was a starting third baseman for the National League roster. Yeah. Both of which I think are relatively fair. The guy that I would add to the list, and I don't know how he makes it in because there is some stiff competition at the back end of the National League roster this year. I think Tommy Edmond has to be an all-star. The way that he has played this year, the value that he has added to this Cardinals team, I know the numbers might not necessarily suggest it. But God, that guy has been unbelievably valuable. And if you're looking for an MVP from the Cardinals for the first quarter, uh, third of the season, I think he's got to be right up there towards the top of the list. He's given the front office and Mike Schilt a ton of flexibility because of his ability to play right field he's also a leadoff guy he's also a high contact guy and he's a switch hitter and by the way the metrics show that he's one of the best defensive second baseman right now in the game he has more wins above replacement this year than nolan arenado that's that's not the end all be all statistic but i do think it tells a story i'm surprised that uh, dave did not have alex reyes on his list of all-stars see to me he's got to be an all-star yeah, he does not have him on there. He didn't go the full pitching staff, it looks like. He had a bunch of starters. No, he did. He, it's just a bunch of starters. And then his relievers that he had available were Hader, Kimbrell, Melanson, and those are the three. Um, to me, Reyes would be there. The only thing that's going to knock Reyes is all the walks. Mm-hmm. But if you do a deep dive on his season, yeah, he deals with base runners, but no one scores. No one really hits him. He's given up two home runs. And when you give up the home runs when you're a closer, they're usually at crucial times, and both times have been crucial. Ba- I think it'll Javi be Baez him or and it was Baez and Winker on the other one uh, over the weekend. But going back to Tommy Edmond, I-, I wonder if you need to have like a role for a manager to uh, 
the hybrid uh, all-star. The utility guy. Exactly. Just So that would be me. That would be Tommy Edmond. Because if I'm managing that team, if I wanted to put him at short, I could do that. I could put him at third. We know he can play third at a high level. He can play second base. He can play right field. And at one point, he was your backup center fielder until Dylan Carlson took that spot. So I- I'm with you. I think Tommy Edmond is is got to get some kind of consideration. Here's the only problem. He's listed as a second baseman. And when I look at, you know, every team's going to be represented, go to Pittsburgh and their second yep. baseman's having a really good year. And so that that takes that up. How about Albies? Maybe Albies would be a guy that you'd look at because he's of name recognition among second starting. Yeah, second baseman. So I'm surprised he didn't have Frazier. Uh, Frazier's had a really good year for he the had Pirates. Frazier on the bench for him. So is or, that, yeah, he has Frazier on the bench and Albies as his starter at and, second. And people know about Albies. I, I think generally speaking, am I right about that? Yeah. You think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, they don't know about Frazier, but if you do a deep dive on his season, really good year. He's hitting 335. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, unbelievable, man. So he's and he's got a ton of hits. At last check, and this is a, a I don't know, maybe a few days ago, he's leading the league in hits. Mm. So there's your second baseman. So where does Tommy Edmond fit in? It might be those number, the numbers crunch that hurts him. So the thing is, he's got Chris Taylor on this roster. And if you just go by the pure numbers, the OPS, all of that stuff, the offensive he, numbers. What position does he have him? He can play anywhere. He has him listed in the outfield, if yeah. I'm not mistaken here. Um, but if you're looking head-to-head between the two, it's kind of tough to make the case offensively for Tommy Edmond. And I know it's not like Chris Taylor is a poor defender, but... I do think Tommy Edmond has a little more value to the Cardinals than Chris Taylor does on the Dodgers. So I I don't have a huge beef with it, but I do think just if you're asking me um, big picture-wise, is Tommy Edmond deserving of being an all-star this year? He absolutely is. I, I'd absolutely. say for sure consideration, I don't think he's going to get it. And the, the, again, because Albies and then Frazier has 76 hits, that leads the National League. And... Uh, what's McMahon doing of Colorado? That's another guy that if you're looking at the potential of who's going to be an all-star from the Rockies, Trevor Story has been hurt. So that's who he had making it. Yeah, I, I think if you're if you're going with a Rockies all-star, even though he has been hurt, it's got to be Trevor Story. Absolutely. So, um, but Tommy Edmond, man, the team would not be where they're at, which is above 500 and in first place for the better part of this uh, first 60 games or so. Without Tommy, I mean, he's done a, just a terrific job wherever he's been. And if you go on war, wins above replacement, he's been really good in that category too. So taking a deep dive on the numbers, I'm with you. Tommy Edmond, I, I don't think he's going to get there, but he deserves consideration. Do you think Tommy Edmond eventually gets one? Like Edmund, I do. The, the two guys for me that I think are future all-stars on this roster are, maybe you could even go three, but It'd be Edmund, it'd be Carlson, and potentially O'Neal if he can carry this over into future season. Those are the three guys, if I look at the young players right now on this roster, that that feel like they have that kind of potential. If healthy, Flaherty. Sure. Um, maybe Reyes, uh, you know, especially if he goes into the rotation next year. I'm so fascinated by what their plan is with him. I, I, he has been so good as a closer. I know. I tend, though, to think that they're leaning saying, Look, this is we don't care where the innings wind up. He's going to be in the rotation next year, and that's just the way we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And he wants to be a starter, gives us the best chance to win every fifth day. The guy's filthy. Now, there is, I think, something to be said for the walks. You know, you got to cut down on the walks. Um, but that's why you like potential rotation for next year. And we're only 60 games into this season. But, you know, you got Flaherty, 
you got, let's say, a healthy Michaelis. You would have Reyes. You would have Dakota Hudson coming back. You don't know about Libertor. You Maybe know, I mean, Max Scherzer. We'll see on that. Yeah, I mean that's. <laughs> he looked really good in that rotation. There's an interesting article what. about where he winds up on MLB.com this uh, morning. Yeah, did they you said, read it? I did. Uh, they said Nolan Gorman for Max Scherzer, who says no, basically. And I got to be honest. Who I was says like, no? Max does? No, no, no. Who, oh. who would say no in that scenario oh, between okay. the, the Cardinals and the Nationals? I, I don't know that anybody says no in that deal. I really don't. I mean, if you're telling me that I'm the Nationals, I've put myself in, in Rizzo's spot here as the general manager, you're telling me I get a top 30 prospect in baseball for two months of Max Scherzer, who I might be able to re-sign then again the way that Aroldis Chapman did in, in New York, and, and I can do that? Yeah, I think I've got to accept that deal. And Nolan Gorman's a really great prospect right now. And then for the Cardinals, as and much they as they need we, third base help at times too. I mean, the, the key boom is not turned into the guy that they thought. And as much as the Cardinals would love to have Nolan Gorman moving forward, you've got your third baseman. I think they've got their second baseman. I just said I think Tommy Edmond is a future All Star potentially for them at second base. And it looks like their outfield might be under consideration now moving forward too. Tyler O'Neill has inserted himself into that conversation. Okay, BK, Devil's Advocate here. Please. Ready? Uh, who's your DH next year? That's the question. Yeah, JD Martinez for me. Okay. All right. Let's go out and spend some money. Let's do it. Let's have a little fun with this. Why not? Just take that money that you were spending on Matt Carpenter and maybe a little bit of the piece that you had for Andrew Miller and just go ahead and give that to J.D. Martinez instead. Any doubt that the D.H. comes in next year? No. Not for me. Not for me. When Mike Schilt is coming out publicly on MLB Network Radio and saying, hey, we didn't think that we were going to have it this year. We all know we're not going to have it next year. So why are these pitchers hitting? That's that's when, it for me, it was like, okay, yeah, we're done. Do you remember when we were doing a show, and it was spring training, and both of you, uh, both of us were on the uh, – and you and I were looking at it, and we were both on the same page going, all right, when's the announcement coming? <laughs> yeah. Why are they Why are they letting these guys hit? Because no – no other team, I was watching other like National League teams, and it's like the end of spring training a week to go, and no one, none of the pitchers had hit. So that makes you think like the undercurrent was, okay, they're going to institute the DH, and they never did. I'm just shocked with it. I So I'm both shocked and also not surprised, if that makes sense in a weird way, because Major League Baseball, this is exactly the way that I would expect that they would handle it, and also at the same time, how did you mess this up? How? It was all right there for you. Players wanted it. Managers wanted it. I would imagine the owners were like, ah, whatever. Go for it. I don't care. But because owners knew the players wanted it and players uh, didn't want to negotiate for it, they decided, ah, you know what? Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. All right, the Indians are in town. It's a two-game series. We'll have it for you on Bally Sports beginning at 6.30. We are known as Bally Sports BK Midwest. Mm -hmm. Now we go to our celebrity line, and we say good morning to the play-by-play voice of the Indians on television, Matt Underwood. I'd never heard this, but Matt, you can uh, help me out. Bally Sports Great Lakes? Yeah, that was uh, that's what they came up with to differentiate us from Cincinnati, which is Valley Sports Ohio. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, in the past, in, in the past, they were Fox Sports Ohio, and we were Sports Time Ohio. So yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's a work in progress. I, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Couldn't have gone Valley Sports Cleveland. That that was off that limits. Was, here. That's what I, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, I wasn't invited to the meeting. So. <laughs> Understood. Hey, Matt. Uh, unfortunately, this is Dan McLaughlin. That's Brandon Kylie, and uh, unfortunately, we are not going to be able to meet in person like we normally do or, or see yeah. out at a, the seminar. But it's great to hear your voice. Um, let's let's start with your your starter tonight, Shane Bieber. Uh, amazing season a year ago. How has he fared, and what can uh, Cardinal fans expect when they see him tonight? Well, Mac, I think everybody, uh, you know, regardless of which team you're rooting for, you love to watch good pitchers work. And, and Shane Beavers, you know, he's at the, you know, he's in the conversation on a short list of the best pitchers in the game right now. He doesn't do any one thing that that, uh, that makes you, you know, blow back in your chair. He's just razor efficient, man. I mean, he's strike one to most batters. Um, he's got a, a very good fastball that he can command. It's not going to blow you away at 97, 98, but, you know, it's 93, it's firm, it's in, it's out, up, down. He, he works all quadrants of the strike zone with it. And then off of that, he's got a really good 12-6 to 6 curve, and then he's incorporated a pretty nasty slider that he gets a lot of chase uh, from. And uh, so he's just guy, a guy that goes out and, and moves the ball around, keeps hitters off balance, all the things – that we used to think about great pitchers doing in the past, he does today, and he, he does it as well as anyone. I'm curious, has he been hit by the long ball a little bit this year? It seems like his strikeout numbers are great, but uh, is that has that been an issue for him? You know, I think what you see most uh, with Bieber is, especially, you know, when teams that know him, now obviously your guys haven't seen him a lot, but teams in our division especially, uh, they usually go up there and like, hey, dude, let's swing early. You know, don't let this guy get the two strikes or it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long walk back to the dugout. So we see guys getting more aggressive, swinging early in counts, maybe sitting on particular pitches. So, yeah, he will give up home runs. And, and most of that, I think, is just because he's a strike thrower. You know, he's not a nibbler. He goes at hitters. Uh, when he gets the two strikes, it's tough. He doesn't give up many hits, period. And so, yeah, he'll give up a few home runs. And, and I, you know, if I was a hitter and I had any kind of book on him at all, I'd be swinging from the get-go if it was close. Matt Underwood is our guest. He does a fantastic job as the play-by-play voice of the Indians on television. And, and Matt, I always find the Indians uh, fascinating and with an appreciation of, of losing big names and stars in the game, but yet always stay competitive and Francisco Lindor goes to the Mets one of the great players in our game and yet they're still competitive they hang around the American League Central what was the the feeling around the Lindor situation and and how have they moved on from that well I think you know from a fan's perspective it was a yet another kick in the pants of of a star player that uh, I think most people that that you know looked at it realistically understood that he was not going to resign here it was going to take hundreds of plural of millions of dollars to keep him here and this is an ownership group and, and it's not even the ownership group it's a market and baseball is, is you know driven by the market size and they just can't afford to commit those kind of dollars to one player in their in their salary structure so i think people were resigned to the fact this was going to happen eventually and uh i think the player development staff and the front office the guys who draft they've done a tremendous job of having people in place to step in and replace guys when they leave via free agency or via trade. But you can only pull so many rabbits out of the hat, right? You just At some point, it has to catch up to you. I think they've kind of hit that wall when it comes to the pitching. Uh, you know, they had Shane Bieber stepped in, Zach Plesak stepped in, Aaron Savali stepped in. These guys just kept coming one after another, and we were just shocked that they kept being able to produce them. Well, the well has run a little bit dry, and, and that's not – 
necessarily their fault or the player's fault. I think last year crippled a lot of organizations where your player development is concerned. You know, you lost an entire season of, of guys at the A ball getting to double A, double A getting to triple A. The triple A guys lost that, you know, maybe last season of fine tuning. And so we, we've run into that with guys like Sam Hentges, uh, Cal Quantrill, young pitchers who just, they, they could have really used another year of seasoning at the, at the minor league level. And they didn't have that. So, we're kind of in that position right now, Mac, where they've done a great job of filling the blanks and, and keeping those, um, you know, that production line rolling. But it's, it's even though they're in, in striking distance, second place, they've been competitive, uh, we, we're starting to see where uh, the competition is catching up to them. Matt Underwood is our guest here on 101 ESPN. And Matt, I did want to ask you about the offensive side of things because you're looking at the OPS numbers for the Indians and it hasn't been great. I mean, the only teams behind them so far this year are Texas, Miami, Detroit, Seattle, Pittsburgh, and then Milwaukee's in there as well. That's not the group of teams that you want to be with. What's gone wrong offensively for the Indians this year? And I'd be specifically curious about what's gone wrong with Eddie Rosario because here in St. Louis, I think we spent the entire offseason fantasizing about what he would look <laughs> like in the Cardinals lineup. Yeah, you know, and he's a guy that tortured us when he was with the Twins. I mean, absolutely killed us. Every time we would play Minnesota, he was hitting home runs. You know, he can hit a ball six inches off the plate. He can hit one up around his eyes. He's got great, you know, bat-to-ball coordination, maybe as good as anybody in the game. But sometimes that plays against him. And he, for whatever reason, he just has not gotten into that hot spell this year. I know Tito, Terry Francona, believes it's still in there. He thinks he's going to get hot, and he thinks he's the kind of guy that can carry a, a lineup for a while when he gets into one of those spells. We haven't seen it to this point. I think overall it's just a lineup that doesn't have a lot of power. Um, you know, Fran Mel Reyes, when he went down, that was a huge blow because he was the one guy in the middle that can he can kill the ball. But you lose him – Thankfully, uh, Ahmed Rosario has really picked up the slack. I mean, he's hit over 300 the last two weeks, really, since Fran Mill went down. So he's been a pleasant surprise in that regard. And then um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Harold Ramirez, but Big Harold's come in out of nowhere and has really supplied some energy and some consistency from the offensive standpoint. But you know, bottom line is we knew this team, those of us who follow it closely, we knew this team was going to struggle to be – a ball club that scores five runs a game, right? They're well below that. But but we knew they also had pretty good pitching. The rotation has been pretty solid, even with the entry to play sack. The bullpen has been the biggest surprise positively because uh, when you hand them the lead from the sixth inning on, they've been one of the best groups in baseball. And, and that's how they are where they are. You know, not great offensively. Starting pitching's good, not as good as we thought. Bullpen's been better than we thought. And so if you get to the sixth inning with a lead, this group's been able to close out games, and that's why they're above 500 and still still hanging around. Okay, Matt, I, I got a question that has nothing to do with the game tonight. Are you ready for it? Love it. Love oh, it. Okay. Wait. All right, so I'm not sure if you were on this game. I'm going to assume that you were. So Tito comes out to get the ball from Bauer, and he decides to throw it into the seats in center field. <laughs> it's in Kansas City. Uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. What did you guys do when you saw this? You know, I think, if I remember it, I think we were already to break when that happened <laughs> or it happened just as we were going to break, so there wasn't any time to really comment. And because of the way it happened, I don't even know if we had an actual camera shot of it because I think he caught everybody. You know, just don't expect the guy to do that. No, no, um, that, that, was, that takes it, you by it, surprise. Yeah, it was it was very bizarre. It was very Trevor Bauer. He let the moment, his emotions get the be better of him. And, 
And look, the one thing I do remember, I don't know if we talked about it in that moment, but it came out afterwards. Tito is one of the best guys you ever want to play for because he doesn't have a list of rules. You know, show up, respect the game, play hard, run everything out, all those things that you expect your guys to do. And when you do something like that, though, he's going to blow you up. You know, that was, that was, you know, was petty. It was petulant. All the adjectives you want to throw out there. It was not cool. And so Trevor heard an earful from Tito <laughs> after that. But, but for the most part, you know, he's not going to, you know, blast a guy, uh, you know, for, for petty things. Uh, he'll call him in and, and do it on his own. He's not going to try to, you know, like Tony LaRusse, I think, got himself into trouble when he tried to, you know, win a war in the media with players that, that never works in this day and age. He's, he, he doesn't understand the way the game works as far as the guy's ability to control the narrative with their social media platforms. And, and that's something Tito is fully aware of and understands that very well. Yeah. I just thought as a play-by-play guy, I'm, I was watching, I'm like, I'm not really sure how I'd handle this. Uh, that's interesting. Guy throws it into yeah. the center field seats. It was unbelievable. It was anyway, a hell of a throw. It was. It was unbelievable. I just, I was just curious what your thoughts were. That was it. Sorry, BK. Hey, I digress. Last thing that I've got for you, Matt. Uh, I did want to ask you about Francisco Lindor. I know we kind of talked about what that meant for the fan base, but he's really struggled at the plate this year, and it comes off of what was, I guess, technically a down year for him last year as well. Yeah. Did you see signs of this coming? Was there more that we should have read into after last season than I know certainly for myself than I did? I I think that I looked at last year as, well, hey, everybody's entitled to a bad year, right? And even the great players have a down year offensively. And and certainly with everything that went into last season, you kind of expected that. And I know that the free agency question was weighing on him, even though at that time it was still another full season away. Um and I just kind of wrote it off that, hey, you just, he just didn't have a great year. But now that it's happened again, you do start to wonder. I don't know why. I don't have a magic bullet answer as to why he has continued to struggle offensively. Other than the one thing that surprised me was how quickly he became a power hitter. You know, we knew that he was going to be great defensively, and he was from day one. We knew that he had back the ball instincts and he would probably hit for a decent average what we didn't see coming was 20 plus homers and consistently blasting the ball out of the park and so maybe he got caught up into that hey i gotta hit home runs i have to prove that to, to the people in new york i'm worth worth the, the hundreds of millions of dollars they just spent on me and maybe he's just pa- caught himself in, into that and it happens to even great players other than that i, I don't know we haven't seen him we haven't seen him in person so it, it's hard to it's hard to say for sure Absolutely. Hey, Matt, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you jumping on and giving us some insight to the Indians. Uh, Love your work. I think you're one of the best in the business, and I'm sure you and I will uh, connect later today and maybe do a little scouting (laughs) report on both these teams. We appreciate it. Yeah, can't wait to do it in person. Gosh, I, I keep my fingers crossed that we'll be uh, that we'll be back and traveling and doing our job the way we normally do. It's been a challenge. It's still fun. But uh, it's not the same as being there at, at Bush and, and the great Cardinal fans are going to miss uh, seeing them in person as well. So thanks again and hope to see you guys real soon. You got it. Thanks, Matt. That's Matt Underwood, the uh, Cleveland Indians play-by-play voice for Bally Sports Great Lakes. And again, he'll have the call for their folks in Cleveland and surrounding the Great Lakes. And we'll have it here on Bally Sports Midwest at uh, 630. Dan, what do you make of the Francisco Lindor situation? He's been great defensively. That's nothing new. Um, but offensively, he's not. it's not like he's striking out a bunch because sometimes you just look at it and it's what Matt Underwood said. The guy goes up to the plate, he's swinging for the fences, and he kind of gets out of his typical groove. 
That hasn't been the case for Francisco Lindor. He's just not making consistent hard contacts the way you would hope. It, it's been very surprising to me. I thought he would be a great player for the Mets, and it just hasn't really kind of turned out that way. I watch a lot of Mets games because I love listening to uh, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling, Garen Cohen. They're, I think they're the best in the business, and, and I enjoy watching their presentation of the game. So I do watch a lot of Mets games. Um, I, I see teams attacking Lindor that I had not seen previous and when he came through st louis remember he had that long hitless streak he was something like oh for 24 25 something like that they are attacking him and i think i'm with matt too where uh, now he's he's signed up for what 13 years yeah and um there's there's just something about going to new york when you get that kind of deal too the pressure on that individual, I think, is great. Now, we're only 60 games into 13 years of what his deal is going to be, and I think he'll be a fabulous player, and I do think his defense has not missed a beat. But, man, when and also I also think coming off a 60-game season where you know guys changed some habits and what they were trying to do in a race to the finish, it wasn't just about the long haul of a season. It was like the immediacy. we got to come out firing, and when you don't, you get behind the eight ball. Saw that with a lot of players, Javi Baez being another one. Um, so there's a lot of factors that I look at, but I see them just attacking him, not the way that he was previous. And, um, but I do think in the long haul, he'll be fine. I, I just think BK, when you get $300 million and you're in a city like New York and it's a new team, it's not your same team. It's not the same media. It's not the same fan base. You don't have a track record. The leash is short and they're going to be on you. And there is pressure to perform a lot of it because of the money and in that market. And it's different. I, I don't want to make it seem like it's apples to apples because it's not. But you saw a little bit of that, the pressure um, from Paul Goldschmidt early on here in St. Louis as and well. And Matt Holiday. Yeah. And, and so they, they put that pressure on them because they're great players that want to perform, right? It's not, I don't care, I got paid, now I am i don't have to worry about it. And eventually it clicked for Matt Holiday, And it clicked for Paul Goldschmidt, especially later on that season. I wonder if we're going to see something similar to that from Francisco Lindor later this year. Totally agree. And I remember talking to Holiday about it, and he actually had to call his agency. He called Scott Boris, and they had a, a very uh, you know, intimate heart-to-heart about, hey, just relax and don't worry about the money. Like, take the money out of the equation. You got the money, it's fine. Yep. And I know you want to live up to these expectations, and a lot is expected of you. They've invested in you. But just go be the player you can you can be. And and. I do think that when not not all players, some players like Fernando Tatis is, you know, it, it looks like the guy <laughs> he's is a unicorn. He's trying to make the, the you know the the one. He looks like he's he, the way he plays looks like he's trying to make the team. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. And he's got what three hundred plus million dollars in his bank account now. Eventually, but other players, I just think it's harder to make that adjustment. They care so much, and they do care that they put a lot of extra pressure on themselves, and, and you just have to eliminate that. I, I know it's really easier said than done when the expectations and you're the highest-paid player and you're the guy in the middle of the lineup and everything's magnified, but you got to get over it some way, somehow. It's tough to do. Fernando Tatis, man, he he has 26 extra base hits this year in 44 games. He's ridiculous. He has 39 RBI and 13 steals. I <laughs> Did you see um, 
I think it was over the weekend, BK. It was on social media, and there was a pitch inside. Where it looked like his leg came off of his body. He looked like a noodle of spaghetti. <laughs> you know, like his, it looked like his body was a ligament. You know, like going back and forth. It was, I don't know how he avoided it. And it he's was, a big kid, man. I've never seen anything like it. I thought that the video was doctored. Like, that was the only possible explanation as to too. how this took place. Because it, it seriously looked as if his knee went the opposite direction. Like, it bent the wrong way, it, it, but it looked fluid. It, it was literally like his knee was jello. I don't understand how it happened, and it explains a lot of what we watched from him. Yeah, and going back to Lindor, I think also changing leagues, even though there's interleague play, I think there's something to that a little bit. Um, but all those things, new hitting coach, new league, new surroundings, new city, new fan base, fans back in the stands, and oh, by the way, you have $300 million. Just give it time, and I bet the guy is going to be a star. He, he seems, I don't know about you, but to me, he is perfect for New York. Oh, yeah. How he handles the media. He smiles. He doesn't look like he's putting pressure on himself, even when things are going poorly. He handles it with grace, with a smile, with a chuckle. And if you can do that, you can survive. Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. He's one of the guys. I mean, we talked about um, all offseason. The Cardinals needed to make that big move. They ended up making it, and it couldn't be happier with the decision that they made to go get Nolan Arenado. But he was he was my 1A to 1B with Nolan Arenado as a potential target for the Cardinals. So By I the way, the in the next week or so, I think Nolan Arenado goes off again. He uh, The game on Saturday, he was not right. He, I mean, he hasn't been right for about 10 days now. Um, and he took a couple of balls he was fooled on to right, still wound up with three hits. Yep, seven for eight in his last day to, uh, at bats. And then on Sunday, you started seeing him pull the ball and pull it with authority, and that's when you know, okay, now he's starting to get locked back in. I would say the same thing with Goldschmidt. You know, I think he's close too. And if those two guys can get going, they can carry your team. Goldie's underlying numbers as well have been really good all season long. He's, yes. He's torching the baseball. He's just... I know we talked about this with Matt Carpenter. It's it's not the same, but it's similar in that he's he is he's close. It's going to get there. All right, looking forward to uh, your show. What's coming up? So today we're going to do kind of a choose your own adventure Cardinals edition. All right. So at the deadline versus right now, what is more important for the Cardinals? Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If the Cardinals could only make one deal. They're limited to making one deal. Would you rather it be now for a mid-level starter or press your luck and potentially get to the deadline and hopefully acquire that big-time arm? I'm the, I'm the latter, I think. You press your luck? Yeah. See what they can get at I the deadline? It, because of the schedule. Now, if you had the Padres, the Dodgers, interleague play with uh, American League East, I'd be like, eh. But I think you can do it. I think so. I think I'm on the former. Well, I like the I'm lat- also a worry wart, though. If I get Max Scherzer, then I'm really the latter. But you just never know. It's the mystery box, That's right? That's right. It's, it's the mystery it's box. It's the bird in hand versus the mystery box. I like it. I- Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.